This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So, um... Wow, this was shocking to wake up to this morning. Actually, late last, last night. night yeah. uh, w- Will Smith um, has been um, the subject of a podcast where a supposed friend of his... Um, clearly, I would say clearly former friend, even based on what this man, whose name is Bilal, uh, if he what was, he said. If he was a friend at all. Right. I think he was. There, there's video of him and Will... Hanging out. So. But he, he goes on this podcast and he says, he, I witnessed Will Smith having sex with a man that this guy said was Will's best friend. Right. Will Smith said, is outraged, Martin, actor, right? outraged by this um, and has denied it, but it has opened up that whole floodgate. Yeah, so uh, after this podcast, and Bilal was uh, on uh, uh, Tasha Kay's podcast, Probably remember the name Tasha Kay. She's the woman uh, that was Cardi, sued B, by Cardi sued, B and uh, won. And Cardi won four. Actually, it was more than four. I thought she won seven million dollars. Came down to four, is what. But doesn't matter. She hasn't gotten any of the money. Right. But uh, Bilal is on her podcast and made this this claim that he says years ago he saw this in because he was friends with Will and he was also working as an assistant and claims that he saw this going on. Um, Will Smith wasted very little time in responding to this, one, responding once they heard about this, uh, what his reps told us, they said, this story is completely fabricated and the claim is unequivocally false. Um, and they said that Will is considering uh, taking legal action. Now, well, Jada, what's interesting is this morning. Well, we got Jada coming out of one of the morning shows. Um, she did not equivocate at all. What do you say about the allegations? There's like, you know, like so many rumors. Anything you want to say, we suing. We suing. And you saw the way she (laughs) said it. That was she knew exactly resolved. And actually couldn't wait to say. Was waiting for that's right us to finish the question. But um, so she says they're going to sue. I I just um, now what's interesting is Dwayne Martin and Will Smith and Dwayne Martin are friends. We've seen them hanging out for years. Um, and Dwayne isn't responding to this, though. No, um, he's not. And people close to him uh, this morning are telling us that basically he doesn't. He thinks this is all so ridiculous. These claims are ridiculous. They're rumors. They have no yeah. credibility behind them. And people close to him are saying he's just not going to give any attention to this. So he has no plans to publicly speak out about this at all. More often than not, Dwayne Martin's response, if you want to call it that, or non-response, is what we see happen. That when these outrageous allegations and stories are told, rumors that celebrities just go, it's not even worth my time. Doesn't dignify a response. It's a slippery slope if you start suing over everything. So speaking of suing, I I, I think this is kind of interesting. I don't want to get too legal here, but um, years ago, um, there was a story out uh, that Richard Simmons was transitioning. It was a false story, um, and Richard Simmons filed a defamation lawsuit. The judge in that case said, I'm dismissing this suit because in order for Richard Simmons to sue, you have to show 
that the story itself would subject him to scorn or ridicule in the community. And the judge said that we have evolved as a society so that it does not subject you to scorn and ridicule to say that, you uh, to say that you're um, a member of the transgender community. Now, I'm not sure the judge is right because there's a lot of prejudice in this country. Right. And frankly, I think the judge is wrong get, and it was more aspirational. Right. But I think in this I get case, why the judge would say it, but it's not now in, actually. In this way. case, though, what's interesting is does that apply here or is there an overlay because it's not just involving. Oh, you know, this allegation of him doing whatever with his right. best friend, but he was a married man and Jada was somehow involved and that could be the nature of the defamation. But not, right. but it becomes kind of an interesting legal issue. Right. Whether that scorn and scorn ridicule applies. Exactly, here. exactly. My name is Joy Daly. I'm calling from Washington, D.C. And I'm really not surprised that Will Smith's camp denied these claims because, like you said, the, the interview was really graphic and it was really detailed and it, it sounded really horrific, actually. But these rumors about Will Smith's sexuality have been circulating for years. And and, and that Tasha Kay, I believe she's going to get sued again. Um, possibly even uh, the ex-assistant who's giving all this information. And it's like, why would you do that at a time like this? You know, I don't know if you thought he was going to have some type of financial gain from this, but he might be getting the opposite because if he gets sued, they're going to take him for everything he has. So yeah. I think it's going to be very in uh, interesting to see how all of this unfolds legally. If it goes if it to does. lawsuit, and we don't know that. Yeah. Although what Jada seems she pretty seems determined pretty right now. Yeah. Uh, we are going to move on. Yes, uh, to uh, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey, uh, the famous Kelsey brothers of uh, the NFL reuniting. Famous for what, by the way? For being great football players. And oh, that's it. I thought it was Taylor that's Swift. Who? <laughs> what? I didn't know you were talking about. I don't know who that is. Uh, though I do think there is a Taylor factor at play of here. there is. Because Jason Kelsey, who's the star uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, he and some of his teammates have been doing a, a charity special every year for Christmas. It's called the, um, the, uh, the Philly Christmas Special or a Christmas Philly, Philly Special Christmas Philly Special. special right. That goes back to the trick play in the Super Bowl, uh, exactly. which is called Philly Special. Right, and it's very successful. But this year they've done something different. They've invited a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. How's that? To be on the Eagles so <laughs> Christmas how's that? album. How's that work? Uh, um, I think aside from the fact that uh, Travis is Jason's brother, they know. Oh, aside from the fact. Oh, how about that the Taylor Swift? Taylor actor? Swift. Yeah. Yes. So, so now he's a singer. So Jason, <laughs> Jason had to uh, make the call to try and convince his brother to do this, and yes, of course, he said he'll do it. I'm gonna ask Trev. Go, Trev. Uh, we're here recording the uh, Christmas album, and the, the guys have an idea that maybe uh, you could hop on. It's like two people fighting, but then they really love each other. It kind of works really good for our relationship. Glad you came. It'll be fun. Got cars, biggest cars, they got rivers of gold. But the wind goes right through you, no place for the old. When you first took my hand on a cold Christmas Eve, you promised me Broad Street was waiting for me. The sound of the silver ages choir all singing Galway Bay. <laughs> I gotta say, he's not bad. It wasn't singing. That was more. I know, but it wasn't that. But my anything, God, but. Taylor Swift has taken over everything. It, it doesn't sound like a Christmas song. I, I'll say this. It sounds like an I, Irish I folk am, song, actually. I am no Philadelphia Eagles fan, 
The Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl like seven, eight months ago. <laughs> this should not be happening. I am outraged for <laughs> Philly fans. They should never have allowed Travis Kelsey anywhere near. I don't care what he is to, to Jason Kelsey. I, I don't know. Yeah, like but he's dating Taylor Swift. I, I, guess, I guess that makes it okay then. I, and if you have him, then there. I get. I, listen, I know what, where you, what you're saying, Mike, and yeah. there's part of me that agrees with you, a big part. But it is for charity, and if having Travis involved in it actually sells more, oh, just Charles, think if the Swifties start okay. buying right. this, right, guys? How much that's money exactly guys. what they're thinking. Okay, I'm going to give you a scenario. You tell me if I'm wrong. Taylor Swift has concerts coming up internationally next month. Right. There will be a concert somewhere after December 15th where Taylor is performing and all of a sudden Jason and Travis Kelsey come on stage no. and the three of them are, are singing this both Christmas of them, song. Both of them are Mark gonna be my both words. of them are going to be in the heat of the the uh, the playoff run at that point. There's no way they are taking Time off to go. Well, no. you know no, what, no, Charles? No, no, the, the, no, no, as no, much no. as the NFL's in the bag for this whole Travis and Taylor, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them to like pause the season to what? allow that to happen. <laughs> they love this so We're much. Out. They get, they get a special Taylor Swift bye week. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm T. Ray. I'm calling from Gulf Shores in Foley, Alabama. The holidays bring all of us together, but that doesn't mean that you have to get together and, and record a Christmas. Christmas album. Um, I know Jason and Travis are going to put their differences to the side to do this album, but again, y'all always have the Taylor Swift effect when it comes to Travis. It is a beautiful thing, but I think he should just stick to his day job. <laughs> you just watch. Mark my words. Something's going to happen. No, I, I will be, there's no... I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. We are used to uh, reporting about big brawls at football games, baseball games, nightclubs, um, even at sporting events like the athletes. Uh, during last night's Golden State game, there was a big, big fight. Which I, we are just day. I'm telling you, we are days away from reporting on an actual physical fight in Congress. Yeah, because yesterday was the most recent one uh, where you had Senator Mark Wayne Mullen standing up and. Physically taking his, <laughs> wedding, ring taking his off. wedding ring off, threatening to fight with uh, Teamsters president, Sean O'Brien. And then um, on the House side, uh, you've got um, an alleged uh, punch to the kidneys mm, by kidney. uh, one uh, former McCarthy. Speaker McArthur, McCarthy. So what is going on in Congress? I, what is happening in D.C.? Why our politicians are so ready to uh, explode? Uh, well, we are lucky enough to have uh, one of our members of Congress with us, uh, Representative Adam Schiff, who is also uh, running for Senate, but doesn't seem like it's any better in the, in the Senate state now. Of California, right? Yes. So uh, he's joining us right now, Congressman Schiff. Welcome back to Team Z Live. Thank you. Good to be with you. So you've been in Congress a long time, and you've seen the evolution. How did we get to this point? I, 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 I mean, I don't think it's as simple as saying Donald Trump. But this is not so. It is totally nuts. Uh, these people need to grow up. Uh, and, you know, sadly, I think one thing that has changed in Congress uh, is that uh, social media has sort of elevated performance art, even vile performance art. So you have uh, people engaging in these stunts uh, because they go viral. 
Um, but it's 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 absurd. Uh, people need to show some respect for each other. We've got serious problems to deal with. I'm trying to work on bringing the cost of housing down in California and other key issues for my constituents. Uh, they don't have time uh, for this kind of you know schoolyard bully uh, ridiculous uh, uh, tactics in Congress. They you know these people need to grow up. Other uh, constituents are counting on them, and it's absurd. Are the conversations that happen in the halls um, more heated now, and that's and it's all just exploding in hearings or uh, when they're on the floor? It's definitely different. We can see it when we're watching these hearings. There's a different tone that the members of Congress or the Senate are speaking to each other with. You know, I think that's true, uh, and I think we've seen kind of a, a steady deterioration over the years. Uh, you know, some of it has to do with some of the new members of Congress uh, who got elected because they were the most extreme elements of their party. Uh, this is, I, I think, in particular, a uh, element of GOP dysfunction. You know, the the you know Kevin McCarthy elbowing in the kidneys. One of the Republicans that didn't vote for him or voted to remove him from Speaker uh, McCarthy clearly has too much time on his hands. And you know, in my experience. Uh, power reveals what people are like. And this is revealing what Kevin McCarthy is like. It's certainly revealing what uh, Senator Mullen is like. Uh, and, you know, look, I've been through some very tough debates in Congress. Uh, it's never gotten physical. I've never had to, you know, get in a brawl with someone. Uh, people need to be able to act professionally and deal with the differences professionally and keep things to the level of policy. But, you know, we have a kind of a new species of member of House and Senate where anything goes. It's kind of a vile performance art. I have a strong feeling that today, Senator John, uh, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, I was gonna call him John Wayne, Mark <laughs> Wayne Mullen is more popular today than he was yesterday before this happened because of the climate. And I think you really raised a great point about social media and how performative it's become. But I think he's more popular today and that scares the crap out of me. I think you're right. Uh, and I think that's why he's doing it. I think he's putting on a show for his base that will respond to that. And, you know, it's indicative, frankly, of a broader and dangerous trend in the country, which is the acceptance of political violence. So uh, this is what the national climate is like. It's a, a very dangerous climate. And I think we all have to reinforce the norm that, no, we don't settle differences over policy with violence. Uh, and certainly these senators and House members are a terrible example. Uh, and they are, in the case of Senator Mellon, playing to their home audience, which they think will applaud it. Uh, and in the case of McCarthy, just showing, I think, a, a general lack of maturity that was probably always there. I want to give you a scenario and you tell me whether this is improbable or not. January 2025. Um, when the presidential election is certified or supposed to be certified. If these floodgates have opened yesterday um, where this becomes um, a thing in Congress, um, the scenario is that you're gonna have roughly half of uh, the House angry at the election results, the way things have been going, either way. And if this is what people are resorting to, and this goes on from the inside, um, I think people could fairly fear what is gonna happen on the outside. How improbable a scenario is that? 
Uh, you know, I think you're right to raise the alarm about that. Uh, it's why the rejection of the legitimate election results uh, in the last presidential cycle was so damaging and dangerous to the country. Uh, it's also why this kind of relentless assault on fact and truth is so dangerous. Uh, if we can't agree on a basic set of facts, uh, then how are we to decide what policy should, policy should be or who should govern what's left essentially except for, you know, partisan tribe and political violence. Yeah. Well, Congressman, I'd say keep your head on a swivel um, as you're um, walking through Congress. Seems like everybody's aiming for someone, whether it be with verbal verbal barbs or sometimes physical. Um, I hope that the temperature Can comes I down. Just say one other thing, though, that, that, you know, maybe doesn't get seen as much. Uh, you know, we had our last votes today before Thanksgiving. And as I was walking through the Republican side of the aisle, to leave, uh, you know, I was wishing people a happy Thanksgiving. Republicans, uh, colleagues, people I debated with, people had censured me, and they were wishing me a happy Thanksgiving. And you know, there is that kind of respect and comedy still, even with people you vehemently disagree with. So I, I wouldn't want people to think that the, you know, the Senator Mullins and the Ken McCarthy's are necessarily representative of everyone. They're not. Okay. I want to make a point about that. I'm really worried about this. I mean, as somebody who's followed politics all my life, even before I was an adult, um, I've never seen anything like this. And, and Congressman, I'm an old guy now. And I've never, <laughs> and during the Vietnam War, when the country was so fractured, and I remember thinking, will it ever come back? It has never been as bad as it is now. Never. Not back in 1968. Not as bad. Uh, look, I I share your worries about this. I don't want to try to sugarcoat it either. Uh, we're, you know, in a precarious moment uh, in our democracy. Uh, and, you know, it, it uh, I think, calls upon all of us to be deeply engaged uh, in the political process, to be talking to our neighbors, to be uh, making the case for our democracy, which we took for granted for far too long. We've discovered, no, actually, democracy is really fragile. Even after a couple hundred years, it's still very fragile. Uh, and, you know, we've got a job to do. I'm confident we are going to get through this. I think we're going to look back on this time and we're going to wonder how the hell, frankly, uh, Donald Trump ever became president of the United States. What were we smoking? But uh, but more than that, I think we will we will uh, once again have some restoration of civility and comedy. It, it may not be as good as it was before, but I think the temperature will come way down when, you know, the leading arsonist is not on the stage anymore. All right. Okay. We'll leave it on that metaphor. How about, how about, how about leaving it on this? <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. From, from us. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> Maybe the, we, we'll, we'll all benefit from some time off with our family. Right. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, Congressman. All right. Thanks, thanks for the so time. Much. Appreciate it. You bet. Ah, oh, my gosh. Well, the Friends uh, co-stars are all slowly starting to share what they're feeling these days about Matthew Perry. Uh, right after he passed, they said they needed more time, and they have taken that time, and now they are starting to share some old memories uh, of their time with Matthew Perry, both on set and off. Jennifer Aniston posted a really beautiful photo of her and Matthew laughing on set, and she says, you know, she always remembers those moments. And then she said this, uh, we loved him deeply. He was such a part of our DNA. We were always the six of us. This was a chosen family that forever changed the course of who we were and what our path was going to be. Maddie, I love you so much, and I know you are now completely at peace and out of any pain. I talk to you every day. Sometimes I can almost hear you saying, could you be any crazier? My best impression. Uh, 
it was respectable. Oh, it was thank respectable. You. Thank you. Thank um, you know, it really is interesting that um, she. Um, I, I read Matthew Berry's book. Yeah. And she was the one who. She was the one who. Re- well, not just stayed in touch, but during filming of the show, she was the one who knew there was trouble, and mm, she right, tried right. to help him, and she was there for him, and really, uh, you know, privately, uh, you know, would encourage him, would try to help him. But they knew something was going on, and they knew what was going on at a point. Um, and she, you know, all of them knew, and they were all supportive of him. Right. But she really, uh, at least according to the book, you know, she really took those extra steps. Yeah. Yeah, guys. So uh, Lisa Kudrow also posted something that was extremely heartfelt. But the one that like hit me the hardest, at least, was Courtney Cox's. So she, you know, said all all the same similar great th- glowing things about him, but also posted their scene where they first hooked up in Friends, and she talked about how Matthew Perry, like before scenes, would give her little anecdotes and stuff to say that made her laugh. And this was actually a, she she got into the fact that. Uh, when their characters hooked up in London for the first time, it was kind of supposed to be a one-off, but Friends fans loved it so much that, you know, they became, you know, the relationship of the show. And Schwimmer also um, yeah. weighed in. Schwimmer said, uh, I will never forget your impeccable comic timing and delivery. You can take a straight line of dialogue and bend it to your will, resulting in something so entirely original and unexpectedly funny, it still astonishes. He was really, I gotta say. I had read something that I didn't realize this, that because, referring to what David Schwimmer said there, that Matthew Perry was the one that the writers would always invite into the writer's writer's room room. to help them sort of polish up a line or something. uh, Do you guys kind of think it's interesting, though? I know a lot of people were waiting for any of the cast members to post because, I mean, he he passed away a couple couple weeks weeks ago, ago, and clearly this was kind of coordinated because they all posted right around the same time, and it's kind of interesting just that, like, in today's day and age... still do everything together. Still do everything together in today's day and age. A big part of the grieving grieving process is kind of, you know, honoring someone on social media, so... Kind of great to see them all honor him in such a great way. Hi, my name is Christian Segura from Orlando, Florida. And to be honest, we lost an amazing actor. I mean, a lot of the 90s babies, we grew up with him. So it's kind of crazy to see that, you know, we don't have him here with us. But the reality is that we grew up with him. Like, a lot of us grew up with him. And he was an amazing, talented actor. So, I mean, honestly, we're all suffering. Yeah. That's the truth. Good news is that that um, his publicist and other people are starting a foundation um, yeah. to help people. This is something they have that started already. it's something that Matthew wanted to do, and he was actually working with his publicist to do, where they were creating this foundation to help people who were um, dealing with substance abuse. Uh, and that foundation is going forward, which yeah. is which is great. Uh, We're going to take a break. All right. When we come back, uh, Kyle Richards has heard all the buzz of people, the haters who think that this drama with Maurizio is all just something they're doing for a storyline on the show. Well, she has a few choice words for those people. They're not kind. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Welcome back to TMZ Live. You know how much I love Stevie Wonder. Um, I do. One I, of, me too, by the way. One of Yes, you do. Uh, one of his hits is ringing in my head as we're about to start the segment. Hold on, let me think. Um, I just called to say, shut up. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good rewrite. Um, I think Kyle Richards would agree with that, but the song I was thinking was, I ain't going to stand for this. Okay. Um, because Kyle has had it with uh, all the, the fans who think that the drama between herself and her estranged husband, Maurizio, uh, is just something they are manufacturing, fabricating, um, just for a storyline on the show or just to get headlines. Which, um, I'm not saying in her case, but in has her case. happened has in happened. other cases. It has definitely happened. Uh, but Kyle says, in no uncertain terms, that is not what's going on. And she has some choice words for her if you think that that's something she would that she would actually stoop to do. What human being would create a story like this for, no offense, Alex, I love you and everybody for the show, with the show, but who would do that for ratings, put their family through this? That is one of the dumbest things I've maybe ever heard in these 13 years. I'm going to pretend that I'm separated and torture my children so that people tune in I would never put my family through this, ever, for a, I almost said a, a dumb TV show. <laughs> Sorry. Careful. <laughs> for a dumb TV show. I also hear a lot of things online that, you know, oh, well, Kyle and Maurice, they have an open marriage. The things that they say, yeah. I, I really, that Kyle's only with him for the money. He had no money when I married him, you idiots. <laughs> Yeah, you guys, she's been in this industry wow. for so long that it's kind of surprising that she said she was shocked to hear that these people are claiming all of these things to be false and just for ratings and things like that because, you know, she has no real reason to try and stay relevant. She's been in this business for so long that she she is who she is. She's Kyle Richards. She's very no, well known in Hollywood. And I will say, you know, she was in here uh, hosting for our Merry Elf and Christmas special and she has nothing but praise for her daughter. So I highly doubt she would put her daughters through something like this uh, just for clicks and ratings because she doesn't need the money. I, I, I I not only agree with you, look, I've known her for many, 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 many years. She's, this is real. Yeah. This, I mean, this is, everyone they are, spoken to they are separate. Real. I mean, yeah. I, I, I can tell you, uh, you know, I, I don't say I know stuff if I don't. I, this is real. Um, and they're both going through it. I mean, they're having a, you know, it doesn't seem like it necessarily because you see, you know, he's on Dancing with the Stars. She's, you know, doing this documentary. Mm -hmm. So on the surface, it looks like, wow, they're kind of moving on and everything else. This is hurting them. And she would never do this to her daughters. By the way. Never, but the dumb show was the interesting thing she said. Yeah, for a, for a that, dumb bleeping show. That was interesting. I mean, she's been on it for 13 years. No, 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 I know. Point, yeah. But you feel like maybe she's kind of getting tired of the drill. Maybe she's getting tired of it. But she's also, I think, very clearly stating what her priorities are. Her family is here and the show is down here. And Clearly. compared to what her family is going through. The show doesn't matter. And it's true. Maurizio was broke when they got Yeah, married. by the way, I, we should say that point she made about Maurizio's money, he would he acknowledges oh, the he totally very does. same thing. So it's not like her he was working saying something in, he, that he He wasn't even in the real estate business. He was in, a fa in the fashion industry. He got fired, and they were living in this little crappy apartment. And, um, and you know, he decided, well, maybe I'll just change careers. But that's how it happened. They were broke at the beginning. Yeah. Hi, Harvey. Hi, Charles. I think lots of these housewives make up storylines, but I think Kyle doesn't really need to make up storylines. I mean, she's Paris Hilton's aunt. She's Kathy Hilton's sister. She is Hollywood. I mean, people look at her as this 
royalty in Hollywood. And why would she get rid of one of her biggest assets, Mauricio? Every time they do a poll on Watch What Happens Live, he's voted the sexiest house husband. Well, but that's not, well, well, that's that's not, a not reason why to... they're staying. <laughs> I mean, that's, oh my God, he was just voted sexiest <laughs> house husband. I mean, she does have a point. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a reason to not get rid of him, but... I mean, we're, it we're goes not deeper saying, than that. What we, here's what he we, is a good-looking guy. Here, he is. And here's what we know, that they haven't made a decision on anything yet. They are separated. They have not decided that they're going to get divorced, that they're not going to get divorced. They wanted time apart. They're getting time apart. And they don't know what's going to happen. They might yeah. get back together, and they might not. And that's kind of where they are right now. Yeah. Okay, we're taking a break. We're actually, we're going to uh, keep going oh, before we, we get to a break. We are going to keep going. Yes, uh, Travis Scott. Sorry. Very interestingly, Travis Scott. Um, By the way, this just proves there ain't no teleprompter on this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for anyone who, I don't know why they would ever doubt uh, that. Right. Just listen to us. Uh, but yes, Travis Scott speaking, sort of, speaking out about the Astroworld tragedy from, gosh, it's been almost two years since uh, the, the all those people were suffocated, yeah. were uh, st trampled at the concert in Houston. And for, I think, obvious reason, he hasn't said a lot about it because there are still... There are multiple lawsuits. Yeah, several lawsuits. Um, so um, he doesn't really like to speak about the fact that, and I know it's got a weigh on him that there were 10 people killed at one of his concerts, but he did speak a little bit about it in an interview with GQ. Uh, here's what he said. He said, making music... You think about things that go on in life and things that happen in your life, and you dial in on those things. That moment for families, for the city, you know, it was devastating. I always think about it. Those fans were like my family. You know, I love my fans to the utmost. It has its moments where it gets rough, and yeah, you just feel for those people and their families. Yeah, and, and look, we also know that he did that initiative where he's going to work with cities to make sure that nothing like this happens again and, and work with planning commissions and everything for these big outdoor concerts. But I think that there was a lot of frustration in the immediacy following this this disaster that he didn't say enough. Remember, he could just kind of posted that one video where he kind of had his hand over his face and he wasn't saying a whole lot. And then obviously he was on the defensive saying, look, I didn't know what was happening. But I still think that he and his team were kind of missing that human, human element to this where he could have been out and more vocal in talking about this. And now it just kind of seems way too convenient that during a GQ interview, you happen to bring this up. Well, we know how excited you were about uh, the Rob Reiner interview that we did, talking about uh, was. the upcoming anniversary, 60th anniversary of JFK's assassination. There is another documentary that is addressing another aspect of that day in Dallas. Um, a very interesting look through the eyes of the doctors who actually treated JFK when he arrived at Parkland Hospital. And there are things that they saw, if we want to talk about the government cover-up, which we did with Rob Reiner, if you want to talk about the government cover-up, there are some people who believe it started at that moment when he got to the hospital. Because well, there, there, there are things that happened at Parkland Hospital that defy real explanation if this was a single gunman. Uh, right. It just defies it. So Jackie Luth is the filmmaker, the executive producer uh, of this new documentary. It's called JFK, What the Doctors Saw, uh, streaming on Paramount Plus, and she is joining us right now. Jackie, welcome to TMZ Live. Thank you for letting me be here. I appreciate it. No, we were excited to talk to you. So look, I, I, 
have been <laughs> consumed by this for many decades. Um, why don't you give us kind of a top line um, about some of the things, uh, maybe the, the two or three big things um, that make you think this was not a kosher medical treatment and post-mortem way of handling this situation? Of course. So the way I look at it, or the, what I did, is I got the doctors together individually. Uh, uh, when I actually was introduced to the program by, or the project by a, a, a uh, one of my own physicians who lived in Newport Beach, and he actually told me that he was one of the people, one of the uh, doctors uh, in trauma room one with President Kennedy. And I was like, oh my God, I was blown away about that. And then he and I went to the um, went to the other surviving doctors. And when we interviewed them individually and as a group, and that was actually the first time they were together as a group since that day. Hmm. So uh, we got them together and we kind of got to do a comparison then because they had really not seen the autopsy pictures. And, you know, that we just really went, you know, as far as we could go, as deep as we could go. And the, re the reality is, and what came out of that, was that the observations and what the doctors did at Parkland did not match the autopsy or the autopsy pictures. And there is complete contradiction between them. So I imagine, do the doctors, you saying they had not seen the autopsy report since? No, they. some of them had not seen the pictures, nor had they really dived wow. into the report. No, uh-uh. So um, let's get specific here. So um, President Kennedy was first shot um, according to the Warren Commission, in the back of his neck or in his neck, and the bullet then exited his throat. Um, the doctors, my recollection is there was a doctor who believed because of the nature of the wound in his throat that it was an entrance wound, not an exit wound. That would mean that the shot would have come from in front of the car, not behind where Lee Harvey Oswald was. Is that what you're getting as well? What the doctors said is that they believed the doctors who saw the wound believed that they that it was an uh, they believed that it was an entrance wound, and they they also saw a gaping wound at the back of the president's head. Um, they never really like they didn't determine whether or not it was, you know, if there was another shooter or whatever. What they were very committed to was keeping their story of what they did and what they saw. So they um, they basically and definitely said that they believed it was an entrance wound at that point. Yes. My recollection um, and, and help me here, I believe I'm right on this, that uh -huh. when they did the autopsy at Bethesda, the initial notes of the doctor who performed the autopsy, um, they were thrown in a fireplace because he said, I didn't really think they were important. I, I remember that, um, and I'm not doing this to cast dispersions on the doctor, but what, the reason I'm raising it is, did you get into any um, pressure that, these, that was put upon any of these doctors you know, during the Warren Commission investigation or even before the Warren Commission was assembled? Well, there's no question that when the autopsy report came out, the Parkland doctors were a problem because their observations contradicted it. That is why we actually went and, and interviewed Jim Jenkins, who is the last surviving member of the autopsy team, to tell us from his perspective what he saw because he was actually in the morgue 
the minute the president or actually before the president was brought in until he actually left to go back to the White House, the casket left to go back to the White House. So he was able to confirm with us really what was observed, what was tested, what was probed, and, and what he actually remembered is what was put into the autopsy report and what was not put in the autopsy report. And I think that is what the crucial difference is. Were they pressured? They actually, you know, they had career pressure. You know, they were very careful not not to say anything out of privacy and all that. Yes, Dr. Perry, who was the attending surgeon, yes, he was threatened a few times, a, a few times. Um, the the guys at Bethesda, the, under military rule, they equally were threatened as to keep quiet as to what they did and what they saw. Oh, wow. I want to see your documentary. This is uh, fascinating. Um, and it's, it's, it's really sort of ground zero for the conspiracy, if you believe that. And most people, I think, do believe that now. Uh, JFK, What the Doctors Saw, uh, documentary streaming right now on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Jackie, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jackie. I got to tell oh. you. It just, when I saw the, auto, the the renderings of the head with the arrows and everything else, it literally brought me back 60 years. This has to be the last thing Gwyneth Paltrow thought was gonna happen when she filed a countersuit against Dr. Terry Sanderson, the ophthalmologist who, they had the run-in on the ski slopes of Deer Valley and then it turned into a trial early this year. A hoity-toity trial. Very hoity-toity trial. That's all behind her now. She, she won, we should up. say. She won. Her she won. She won her $1, which is all she wanted. But now it is all going to be dredged up again for a musical. I love this idea. The I fact that there was someone watching this trial of this. and thought, uh, this would make a great musical. And it will. It is coming to a stage in London next month. month and going to be on the West End. Gwyneth goes skiing. That's so <laughs> funny. We came up with a couple of musical numbers this morning. Um, It'll be on the other show, by the way. Yes. and um, But it's, it's... I don't know how it can't be funny. Because it, the, the it, trial it, itself was funny. But it's just, yeah, it is fantastic. It's just this kind of effete... Um, entitled kind of lifestyle yes. that gets paraded in a courtroom. I think there will be a lot of shots at Gwyneth, at Goop and Gwyneth's lifestyle. Absolutely. They're not taking it exactly at face value. The big twist here is it's gonna have some sort of Christmas theme according to the description of the show. I, I, the thing that really stood out to me is the turnaround time of this play. You gotta keep in mind, this trial ended at the very end of March and now they're already set to put it on stage in December. I, I mean, they had to have been working nonstop on these songs. So everybody wants to go to Taylor Swift concerts. I wanna, wanna go, go to that. that. I want to go to that. <laughs> I honestly believe that this can probably become a real musical, maybe one of few awards. Um, it's kind of crazy. Don't know if her, her people or her team has anything to do with this. I doubt it. But this is going to be very comical to see where this goes. They should have made a musical. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what uh -huh. they're doing, though. The, what the, the starting point is what rhymes with vagina? <laughs> The candle, folks. Yes, the candle. What the else, candle. What else do you guys want to talk about? Hey, guys. What's up? It's Anthony, a.k.a. Why Are We Here out of Miami, Florida. And honestly, uh, this whole Will Smith thing, um, is it true? I don't know. We don't know. Uh, they say they're going to file. Um, they're going to follow up with legal uh, legal action. We'll see if that happens. That'll say a lot if it doesn't happen. 
But hey, you know, I I, I wish the best to him and his family at this time, but I don't really see a uh, reason for the assistant to lie on this case. I hear what you're saying. You may think, like, why would the former assistant lie? I don't know. Was anybody talking about the former assistant before? They We've seen today. people, right. We We've are seeing people do that. Uh, one more. Hey, Nathan Britton, just calling from Centerville, Virginia, speaking on uh, Jennifer Aniston and, and all those guys being able to pay tribute to Matthew Perry. We forget there's a human element to this. So for the guys, for all those guys to be able to kind of grieve and go through their process and be able to finally have that public closure is pretty cool to see. You know what? I just noticed when we showed the, the shot of them from the reunion, I don't think it's by mistake that Matthew Perry is seated in the, in middle, the middle of the whole group. Yep. So, yep. Well, it's not just the Kardashian kids who get big parties. Um, Travis Barker celebrating his 48th birthday, and they had a Thanksgiving-themed party for him, although... What is that? You know, they do... Well, what do you mean, what is it? What is a Thanksgiving-themed? You know, They're just doing Thanksgiving. Kind of, yeah, it looks like uh, Thanksgiving, but it's Thanksgiving... I think they're referring to the movie, the Eli Roth movie that's oh, coming out. it's a horror Because it's a horror film, and that is on brand for them, very dark and kind of gothic. I, I hope the food is actually food and not gory stuff. It looks good. After all of this, they actually got a screening of uh, Eli Roth's movie, uh, Thanksgiving, so. Where's the turkey? It's vegan. Right, he's vegan. Do you know he has a, he has a hamburger joint in Los Angeles that uh, is vegan hamburgers, and it's actually really good. I did not know that. I know he's a... Part owner of Crossroads, wasn't he? He's part owner of Crossroads, but it's a place on either Vermont or Western. It's really, really good. Hmm. Um, Happy Thanksgiving early, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. (laughs)